Welcome back to another episode of the Back to Basics program with Rabbi Liel Shalom. Today is going to be a little bit shorter. It's going to be more of an introduction to the Harsinai episode, which we will uh, have next week. We are recording this uh, online and Zoom due to me being in quarantine. journey called the Har Sinai experience, right? We're going to talk about Maimon Har Sinai. And um, obviously, as we all realize, Har Sinai is the, the main, is where it all starts. If you talk about Judaism, that's where it all starts. Till now, everything we spoke, you know, uh, defining God and the good and bad and the fear of these things are you know, they're obviously in Judaism, but it comes even before you dive into Judaism. But we're talking about the Jewish law and everything, right? And us being as the Jewish nation, it all starts from the significant point. It's a very important event called Maimon Har Sinai, right? But because it's such a uh, an important topic, there is a very important introduction for this whole entire thing. And that's what we're going to spend on some time today. So... This is kind of a continuation. I know we stopped in for a little love episode where we were talking about love and relationship. But uh, if you remember in the episode before that, we were talking about defining good and bad. You see, we got to a conclusion that really good and bad is whatever God says bad is bad is bad is bad. And whatever God says is good is good, meaning it's totally depending on God, like it's not up to human to define good and bad. Obviously, we said there's a, like a basic standard that you can call moral codes and everything, but obviously, we said uh, it can get even so as far as becoming a Hitler, right? Uh, so, how do you stretch it? So, at the end of the day, we get to this conclusion that God is the creator of the world that brought you the whole entire world, obviously would plant in the world how to use the world, right? What to do and what not to do. Because we always have the two. We obviously see that we have the good and bad. Okay? Now we're continuing straight off that. It was important to mention this to, because we're really coming off that. Okay. So God must be that when God creates the world, he gives also um, the, let's call it the moral code, the way to use it the good and the bad. Now, where is it? Where is that secret hiding? Where did God um, tell people to uh, what is right and what is wrong? What's good and what's where, bad? Where, where is the how to use uh, book you get when you buy something? So where is the one for the world? Right, exactly. The manual instructions. Where is the manual instructions? So we had we had an episode about Adam Arishon, right? first man on planet earth so when adam and chava were here if you remember whoever listened carefully to all of the episodes we learned back then by other marishan i think it was the third episode if i'm not mistaken we learned that adam arishan he got a he got a manual instruction he did he got an individual manual instructions made for him uh it says in the torah 
right? Again, I jumped a second into Torah, okay? But we're going to talk about the origin of all that. But I'm saying, as far as we explained till now, in theory, before we get real over here, we were saying that, um, that, that the Torah... The Torah says that other Marishan had the Lashamra. He had a set of mitzvahs. He had a set of how to use the world. And he had also what not to do, which was it's And we explained that whole concept. Now, after he sent, he came into this world. We know, again, we're using now the history of the Torah. As far as the history that we know, what happened? So the world came into play. And everyone, you know, there was Havel and Kain and Chase, the children of the Marisha. And you know, time started passing by, people were raising children, and more generations after generation after generation started coming. And uh, well, where is the manual instructions over there? So you see, the Torah was only given as far as we know. This is a very important number I'm going to throw now. Remember this number for your life. 2,448. 2448. Remember this, right? We, according to our account, we, Hashem, Maimon Harsinai, the, the Maimon that went after we left Egypt, was the year 2448 from creation. Right? So wait a minute. If God is giving the manual instructions to the world, the Torah, the right and wrong, the good and bad, 2448 years later, so what would happen what happened in the meantime? Like the first 2,000 years, 2448 years, they didn't need a manual instruction. What happened exactly? That's number well, one. Well, so you have like the people in Noah's generation that they got punished for doing bad stuff. Then I mean, how how could you punish me for doing bad? You didn't tell me what good and bad is, even. Right, exactly. So you're strengthening the question. You're saying. You say even more, like, what, what what do you have against those people? Why did God punish them? They had no idea, right? So, so, so that's question number one. Question number one is, where, where was the Torah till then? And question number two, let's say, like, you phrased it beautifully. You said, so what do you want from the people if they didn't have any uh, manual instructions how to use the world, right? And number three, again, these are not, like, separate questions. They're all really one question. But like a third part to the question will be, why will God wait for so long? There must be something over there. God won't make a mistake to wait. Why didn't he just give the Torah? Maimon Harsinai, so to speak, should have been right at the beginning. Let's say you want a minion. You want a few hundreds of people. Okay, so wait 10, 20 years into the count and then reveal to the people that are there. Yeah, even if, you know, even if you would say, you know, Christianity and the Muslims, you know, uh, God was revealed to, you know, Muhammad or cheese and crackers or whoever it is, then they're saying, oh, it was just one person. Like, you know, you need to go believe him now. Who who said? You say in Judaism, it's pretty, you know, it might be, I, I don't know other religions. There are a bunch of religions. Maybe Rebbe knows this, but it's the only religion that was given in front of millions of people. That's so, 
don't don't steal from next episode. But yeah, huh. that's yeah. So you could say, oh, at the beginning it was just Adam Arishan. So if we would get the Torah then, then you know it would be the same as all of these other religions that you know you need to now go believe that one person. We still have the question: Why wait two thousand four hundred and forty-eight years? Like that's not a little bit. So wait till there's you know a few hundred people or few million people in the world and then give it why wait thousands of years excellent excellent you said the question much better exactly you don't want one person like you pointed out because it's going to be like many of the other religions what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about revelation and mass revelation the difference between Judaism and the other religions that will be next episode stay tuned but um yeah definitely you phrased it much better you said so wait a 10, 20, right, 50, 100 years, 200 years. What is the 2,448 years wait? Okay. So all these important questions, or I'll call it like one question, bottom line, you know, why wasn't it given right at the beginning? Um, so it's a mistake. This question is a mistake. Hmm? Mistake. <laughs> to say that there was no Torah before Mamad Har Sinai is a mistake. The Torah was always there. There was always a Torah. The Torah, in fact, we learned from our scriptures, right? That Torah was created, right? Uh, hundreds of years before the creation. Even. The creation was created according to the Torah. I don't want to go deep into like all these fancy, nice, uh, you know, vortim that we learned. But again, the, 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 that the world was created based on the Torah. But the Torah was always there. To say that the Torah came at year 2448 is just a mistake. It's the wrong way to look at it. The Torah was always there. How do I know this? Also from in Chumash, we find right in the Midrashim, it says in the Gemara, sorry, that Avram Avinu, he did even Eruvet Chumen, right? Eruvet Chumen is when on, on Shabbos, right, you need to, if you have a few houses, and uh, you want to turn it all into one property, one rishus. So you have all the people in that group uh, participating, you know, in a, in a piece of food or something like that, and they make an agreement, and um, and they all become like one rishus, one uh, entity. So uh, Avram Avinu knew that halacha. That is a dirabbanon. It's like a much later on um, halacha. Um, so Avram Avinu even did that. So wait, so now I'm even more confused. So the Torah was always there, and they knew about the Torah all the time. So what happened in Harsina, right? So here it goes. So again, so the question is wrong. The Torah was always there. And Adam Arishon and all the people that stayed, and I'll explain what that means, but that stayed, uh, that were kept their faith in one God, um, they still had the Torah just in a very different way. What was the way of having the Torah before Harsinai? It was on an individual level, meaning in the whole entire world, there was the basic morals. There is a basic morals, meaning which we call the seven mitzvahs of Noach. If you pay attention, the seven commandments of B'nai Noach, we call it on purpose B'nai Noach because at those times, well, like, why does exactly I know if it's a different discussion, but basically in that in the early first 2,000 years, what we call Alpine Shnos Kohu, the 2,000 years of void, of emptiness, because there was no Harsinai, again, that will also be explained later more, 
So there were the basic morals, right? The seven minutes of Menach, if you look at them, they're basic morals, like not to murder, right? not to steal, to believe in one God, okay? Because believing in paganism, what developed later on into Abu Zara was, <clears throat> in, in our view, right? It's a destruction of the world. It's losing your direction from the creator of the world, from the purpose of the world, right? So that's also against basic morals. Um, not to curse, not to shalom God, that's that's also an act of ingratitude that goes together with believing in one God. And having a, a base in, for instance, um, is just to have order in the world that it's beneficial, that this world is smoothly, go, you know, going smoothly and neighbors are not like burning down each other's houses day and night, right? You don't want that to happen. So according to the basic morals, you need to have courts. And according to the, one of the seven Mitzvot is not to eat ever minachai, not to eat a, a live animal. For you, it's a chazarius. That's why we have specifically to do it in a, in a, in a way of shkita. But even in the basic morals, at least don't do it in that fashion of just cutting off a limb off a live animal and eating. So the basic morals were in the room. Everyone had it. It was, it was common ground. Unfortunately, some people also violated that later. But again, that was the start. Now, to get to the Torah, kind of sort of see, speak to 613, but not exactly the 613, I'll explain it. To get to higher levels was on, in, on an individual level. Okay? When you kept the basic morals and you started elevating yourself and becoming a better person and a, and a closer person to God, you would receive on a personal level an, a better understanding on how to use the world, meaning you would develop the manual instructions of the world with your understanding of the world as you're going higher and higher in levels. Now, for us today, it's really hard to relate to this, but just go back a couple of uh, thousands of years. Even today, we have the great, great Sadiqim, but I won't go too deep into the concept of prophecy and Ruach HaKodesh, it's different things, but Prophecy and Ruach HaKodesh, meaning spirituality, was out there. Just like today, physicality, science, and everything is out there. Back in the days, spirituality was out there, right? And it was used for the good and used for the bad, spirituality. Like, we know witchcraft. Witchcraft was a real thing that is just using spiritual powers in the world, using it the wrong way. Or we know that you were able to use them in the good way, meaning to elevate yourself and using it for the benefit of the world. Right. So since spirituality was out there, you would elevate yourself spiritually and then you would get a better understanding of the world and a closer and closer revelation, kind of a personal revelation to God, not a mass revelation on Harsina. You see where this is going already. Right. But you would have your own individual revelation to God. You hear this? So so other Marishan. He was okay. Other Mauritian is not a is not a good. It's the best example, but I'm saying uh, it's not a fair example because Other Mauritian was the first. We know he was holy of the holiest, right? He was the first human that Hashem created. And after the sin, there's a different story. But I'm saying Other Mauritian as himself was a perfect human, and obviously he got a, a very clear understanding of the world. And even after he sinned, he still was on a very, very, very high level. He obviously went down from the previous level that he was. But he obviously was on an extremely high level. And his children too. And all the sins that they did at the beginning, you see the, the argument, the, the fight between Hevel and Kain was about sacrifices, right? 
they're on a very high level of personal development of revelations with God. They had revelations of understanding and to know how to do the right and wrong. And that was the Torah. They got like in the, back to Avram Avinu. How did he get to Everett Fuman? Not because he learned Gemara. There was no Gemara back there. There was no Mishnah. There was no Chumash, per se, the exact Chumash with the stories of Mitzrayim and everything, because that, that didn't happen. But the Yisodos, the, the roots of the Torah, right? Our Torah that we have in Harsinai are all these stories and everything. They have a root, and it's the root of them, all the study, the Horaot. That's why I'll say this as a side point. Um, the Torah is not a history book. Some people, um, you know, especially reform groups or conservative groups, they would take the Torah in a story fashion or in historical, as an historical book, the, the, the Torah, mark my word, doesn't have one piece of history. You know why? Because the history was much richer. There was a lot of more details in the history there. So if it would be a history book, it would be much bigger. You would have all kinds of details. And, you know, we have in the Midrashim a little bit more details but even the details in the Russian, but specifically also what's in the Chumash is not one iota of history. That was not the point. I mean, you do find history there at the end of the day. But the point of it was not history. The point of it is Torah, teaching. Every story in the Tanakh is another teaching. And like, obviously, there's many stories in the Torah. I mean, just open it all over. It's filled with stories and the history and everything. But it, even if it just sounds like, oh, it's a nice story. Yeah, he went there and then he did ABC and then, you know, this and th that happened to him. It's it's coming to teach us something. Now, it's obviously through the story, but it's there to teach us something. You need to dig deep and find what it's coming to teach us. Exactly. Exactly. Now, now those teachings, Meaning, once you figure out the story, and those teachings, they are the root of the Torah. Okay? That is the root of the Torah. The teachings that you learn from there, let's say, you know, now we're in now we're in the now we're in the most fun part of the, the stories, right? In Bereshith, you have all these very, very fascinating stories of our Avos, right? Of Avram the Yaku and the 12 tribes and the tribe, even without being tied to Avram Avinu Yitzvah. Uh, you know, Yaakov and the 12 tribes, the roots of that, that is really the Torah. And it came out through those great people. Why? Because on an individual level, they brought out that closeness to God, that revelation. Now, I come to you, Israel, and I tell you, last night, I had a dream. God came to me. Oh, my. It was so clear. He told me that you should give me your wallet. Will you give me your wallet? If I would know for a fact that God actually told Rebbe. No, no, you don't know. He came to me individually. This is a revelation to me. But if Rebbe just comes over to me and said, hey, God yeah. said, give me your wallet. Yeah. Rebbe, I would believe. Someone <laughs> else. Uh. <laughs> no, no, you shouldn't believe me, right? Why? Because it's called zero credibility. We're going to talk about it next week. But, but again, you see, the point is, Avram Avinu, he got to very high levels. Again, we're going to discuss this point, but I'm just bringing this point that we're going to discuss later to show that you see the they got to those revelations through a self-growth and they got to what the Torah really intended for them to get to.
Every few weeks throughout the Back to Basics program, we are going to have a Q&A with Rabbi Liel Shalom. So if you have any questions or just want to get a little bit more clarity, send us your question to jewishfoundations at gmail.com. That is jewishfoundations at gmail.com. Every Q&A, we are going to give away one free copy of the amazing book, On the Shoulders of Giants. So send us your question to jewishfoundations at gmail.com for a chance to win the amazing book, On the Shoulders of Giants. And now, let's get back to the show. Now you can start getting a little bit of a feeling of what's the story over here, what's the name of the game as this. You see... Hashem could have came and just given the Torah at the beginning. You know, like we said, you remember in the question we said, gather a few hundreds of people, make it real. God reveals the Torah, good, and you're good to go, right? But what about the people? The people are kind of getting it for free, right? If God would give the manual instructions just out of the world, meaning you were born as a baby, you grow up, boom, you got the manual instructions. So it is good in a way. At least I know what to do and I'm going to go and I'm going to work and everything. No, 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 no. But you're missing some very important point over here. You didn't get to the Torah. The Torah got to you. You see the difference? Hashem, not only did he want us to earn, again, that's our big word, right? Not only he wants us to earn by taking the Torah, using the manual instruction, and using the world on the right in the right way, which is true, right? That's what we need to do. After you have the Torah, the manual instruction, how to how to use the world, and you go use it in the right way, you're earning. However, even the manual instruction shouldn't come for free. Why? What's the big chisar? What's the big lacking? If you would get the man instructions for free. You're always going to have the excuse then to, oh, I, I didn't want this, but he forced it on me. So now I have to do it, but I don't want it. You know, if you came and you asked her like, hey, I want this, then, you know, you asked for it. Here you go. But if just someone came over and gave it to me, like who said I want it? Exactly. It's not a, let's call in one word. It's not a doctrination, right? It's not coming. I shouldn't better want it to be in a way. Then he comes and he just says, well, this is the many instructions, and now go do it. Okay, so listen, we would do it. I would do it, right? If God would come to me and tell me to do it, I would do it. However, you're going to still be missing something, a big, big, big thing over here for us that God wanted us to earn. It's not only to earn the kind of Torah, also to earn getting to the level, being worthy of receiving the Torah. And I'll explain. I'll explain even more. You see, when Hashem creates the world at the beginning, what happened? So all the people, they were close to the truth. They knew, they, everyone knew Adam Arishan, especially the first generation, right? They all knew Adam Arishan. They, they had no doubts. There were no atheists back then, right? There were no atheists. It was super clear. Everything was out there, okay? There was no even, no doubts. Where, how do we, so the first thing that happened in the world in those first 2,000 years when the world started going down is Abedazara, right? Idolatry, right? How did we get to that point? So there's a famous, uh, um, there's a reason that explains in Masech Abedazara 
I mean, it's explained all over, but this, in this style, he says like this. He says the way they got to Abedazara was in the earlier generations, they were all believed in one God, right? It was clear as the sun shining. And but they they wanted to add, right? Because again, we said it, everyone had their individual work on growing and becoming a better and better, better person and getting the revelation, the personal revelation and getting kind of a personal Torah, you can call it. They many times got to a conclusion that, wait, look at this world. Not only that, obviously, we believe in one God and we worship him. Listen, God has a lot of servants, right? He has all this beautiful universe that's bringing everything into play, such as the sun, the moon, the earth, the, the stone, the trees, uh, the wind, the fire, right? And they said there's all these powers in the world that are also part of this game that are enabling us to grow higher and higher and doing God's purpose. So they said they came at first as like kind of a good intention. They said, you know, let's add. Let's add more. We should add on this and have that not only we worship the one God, which is you cannot sense it, see it, or feel it. Let's also do the tangible stuff, the things that you could even relate closer to, such as the sun, the moon. I mean, you go watch a ski on the beach, Israel. I mean, soon it's going to be a lockdown. We're all we're soon here in Israel on a lockdown. So quickly, quickly run to the beach and go watch a sunset, right? How fascinating is it just today with science? I mean, you start, you, I urge you to go and learn, you know, if you don't have the time, obviously all it's only in the bathroom, <laughs> to learn uh, general relativity, science, physics, right? You learn that and you, you see how fascinating, how beautiful the creation of Hashem is, and how much Chochmah is in the world, which is part of God's system to bring us to the earning, it's going to blow your mind. And you're going to start, the, the people over there at the beginning, they said, well, we should add on and have include that as part of the worshiping. Sounds bad? On its face, it doesn't sound so bad, but look how terrible it turned out. It's the most terrible thing humans could do. Why? Explains, I think it's the Ritzvah or the Meiri, he just explains this in this fashion. But, uh, that reason that I cannot right now remember uh, what's his name, he explains like this. He says, you see, to take the idea of God, once you understand what is God, the one God, that he's all powers, right? That he's complete. That he's the, all the existence. And that he's not dependent on anything else. That he could, he could and can at the same time, like you said, and all of those get a very clear understanding of what God is. Once, once you take Take the most most beautiful image in the world. Like draw right now the most beautiful sculpture, the beautiful sun, a beautiful something, right? And start calling that God. That's the biggest disgrace for what the one God. Because you are confining the idea of God into something limited. An image of as beautiful it will be at the end of the day. It's limited, right? It has certain size has certain colors, and it ends up over here, and it has certain shadows, has contrast, it has dark and white and black, white, right? At the end of the day, it's limited. To take the idea of God 
And all it all it all it takes is a little blade that costs you a half a dollar, and there goes the picture. <laughs> right, that is very true. It doesn't it doesn't stand. It is indeed limited, right? But let's say you can take the uh, the, the Burj Khalifa. You take this beautiful building, and the disgrace of Abu Dzarah is to take this beautiful sculpture. And to give it the name of God, you're confining the idea of God into something limited. That is fear. That is that is taking off from the idea of God, and that's denying the one God. Now, how did they get to that such a level? Very simple, like we explained. Now, let me make the gap. You see, they started off with I believe in one God, but let's also include, you know, the sun, the moon. Now, okay. And you know what they handle? They still believe in one God, but they also had some practices of worshiping the sun, the moon, the wind, the fire, etc. Right? Skip a few generations. The next generations, they see their fathers doing it. So they also do it. Right? But slowly, slowly, what happens over a few generations? That's what happened. What happened over a few generations? Obviously, what's much easier to worship is the tangible things that you could feel and relate to and see. Sense, smell, feel. Those were the things that the later generations were had a much easier way to relate to. And so, and the, the thing that's the most hard to is the one God. It's very hard. Look, we work on it every single day. We say how many times a day? We say almost three times a day, two, three times a day. We say Shema Israel That's a daily work that we do in ourselves is defined, like we said in the first episode. That you have to define that the Krishna is not like kind of like a um I am Jewish. No, that's not what it's doing. The Shema. The Shema, I mean, maybe it's part of it, but the real point of Shema is to define God and say our God is the one God and understand that and inculcate it in your brain, etch it deep, deep inside there. That Hashem is the God. Now that idea is very hard to live by, as we know very well. When you have, on the other hand, Sun, the moon, tangible, beautiful images that they would make for those practices. Slowly, slowly, as generations were going on in the period of 2,000 years, less, in a period of a few hundred years, which is very logical, right? Over a hundred, a few hundred years, generation, you always know, like the broken telephone, things always get worse, you know, when you when when you don't have good safeguards. And the world got to its worst of its worst situation right at the beginning. Let's, you know, sort of speak, within the first 2,000 years, humans got to what we know, Dora Mabul and Dora Palaga. Dora Mabul, meaning they, were, they became in between them each other, right? Malars, Hamas, there were humans, did, once they didn't believe in one God and who defines good and bad is only God, they were not following that path anymore. So first of all, they were not nice to each other, first of all, because the moral system started to become all kinds of things, like the stones, okay, stone was later on, but, it, but the people write all the stories that the Metro says in, in the time of Noah, uh, the guy would sell peas, he would sell peas or, you know, pistachio, for, for, and he would sell pistachio, and each guy would come and take only one, you know, just he's taking only one, and the, before you know it, the guy would lose everything. They changed their morals not based on God and and the Messorah and yes the Messorah and the basic morals and elevating themselves they stopped that they stopped elevating themselves they started confusing 
the definitions of good and bad. Not only that, Israel, what they kept on doing is worse. What Dorha, what Dorha Palaga did more is completely moving away from the idea of one God. They went up to fight God with us. They said, we're going to build a tower and fight God. It shows you how far they were from the idea of Hashem and Man. It goes even deeper there. We're not going to do the whole parsha idea, but in one word, it shows you how far they moved away. So all this, what we spoke now, brings us to this beautiful idea. That's going to answer all the questions we had. And after this explanation, we're going to understand all the questions we asked at the beginning. And that's that will be our introduction for the Maimon Harasina. And how do we got to that year 2448? You see, Hashem put the world that everyone has the ability to bring himself to a high level and to grow and to grow and have his own revelations and closeness to God, okay? God gave the opportunity. It was a real, real, real Bechira point for the world, right? Because everything was opened. You, everything, you got an individual. So that means you could have brought yourself to the best place possible. You could have brought yourself to the worst. But more than that, it's not, you would get to that set of levels that you will get to the manual instructions on your own. You see, that is the whole point. Why 2,000 years? Well, God was waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for us to make the real Bechira. Guess what happened in year 1948? You know who was born? Another very important number. I know it's also the year in the English count. Uh, the year that Israel was it got its independence. It's an interesting coincidence. I never figured out the coincidence. But 1948 from creation is the day that Avram Avinu was born. Okay? So pay attention. At the end of the 2,000 years, 1948, 52 years before the year 2000, right? Right before the, the, the end of the 2000, after close to 2,000 years, Avram Avinu was born. Until he becomes like a man standing with his on his level of Avram Avinu was roughly, you know, a few tens of years. We all know he started when he was a child and he grew and he grew and he grew. So think about it. When it's 2,000 years to the world, he's 52 years old. Here we get to the point. Finally, this was the one that God was waiting for. A person that brought himself to the Torah. Avram Avinu brought himself, like we said before, to Urubitumen. It's not that God enforced it on him and told him, hey, this is the papers. Do this, do this, and do this. Avram Avinu came, in fact, from a family of all idol worshippers, people that went down the hill completely. His father was a big Getschke guy, as they said, big Abedazara worshiper. And out of all of that, Avram Avinu, with the real Bechira, he grows and he finds his way slowly, slowly. He fights against the world. He went through the harsh Nisyanos, the ten Nisyanos. He was thrown into fire for his faith. But look how strong he was. God was saying, ah, that's what I was waiting for. And that's explained. Remember, we asked, why wait 2,448 years? Well, here we start the story. Why to wait? Because it had to happen. Because Bechira is real. Hashem was waiting for someone to make that real move. And we know him as Avram Avinu. Finally, someone stood up and did it. There were other tzaddikim. 
there were there was Noah, right? And the the, the Gemara and the Madras, they discussed the difference between Avram and Noah. Noah was also a huge one. And the Gemara says, what's the difference between Avram and Noah? The Noah was a tzaddik, was a huge Godolador, but he was saying that he needs to be the right, do the right thing, and hopefully people will learn from him. Avram Avinu, he was the first one that actually went and did Kiru. He was like the first Kiru rabbi. Avram Avinu was the first one that said, not only I need to be a good person and believe in one God, I need to spread this. We need to get this to the whole entire world. We need to bring the whole world and bring them back and bring them to the Torah. Bring them to that closest to God. That's why Avram Avinu was the chosen one. Well, it didn't end up by then. It was That was the choice of one person. Still not enough. Avram Avinu starts spreading into the world, at least in his family. He starts with his own family. And his family, the ones that went his way, there were many of us in his family that, you know, shocking, we know it, we know it from Columbus, but Esau, such as Ishmael. Avram Avinu had children that continue on other paths that did not follow his path. The only people that follow his path was Yitzhak, Yaakov, the 12 tribes, which was incredible. Look at that. Uh, Yaakov Avinu, he had 12 children that made their way, and that's when we had the startup. Let's call it, we can call it the startup of what Avram Avinu planned. And that brought us from an individual, everyone getting on an individual level. Hashem said, oh, this group of people, the children of Avram Avinu, that's why we always define ourselves as the children of Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov. You start in Shemarasarah, we, we, our, our definition is the children of Avram and Yitzchak and Yaakov, meaning that we are the people. What makes us as a people? As people that follow their ideology that they wanted to bring to the world. Now let's go through the question. Question number one. We asked, where was the Torah the whole time? Wrong. The Torah was there, but on an individual level. It was not for the masses because God didn't want it to happen in that way. He wanted someone to come and take it and earn the, 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 the so to speak, rights to, to, to come to it and not just to be doctrinated and be thrown upon. Okay. Um, second question we asked, hey, um, they, they, what, what do you want against those people? They didn't know. They didn't have a Torah. Well, they had. They all had the basic morals. And on that, they were supposed to grow and grow and grow and become better and better and better people, just like we saw later with Avraham Avinu. And they did not do that. So they got punished on their level and based on their understanding that they didn't elevate themselves and got to them. You know, slowly, so like we said, they just lost them and the world just got worse and worse and worse, like we explained that to Abed Zara. And with Dora Palaga later on, Dora Palaga was the next step when they completely, totally uh, denied the one God. Last question, why to, uh, uh, why to wait for so long, 2,400 years? That number was not planned. That number was according to us. Avram Avinu started in 1948. I'm just going to say something. How old was Avram Avinu when he got the promise that his children, he was 90, he was 100. He was almost 100, right? He was 99 when he had Ishmael. We're not going to go into the whole calculation. So when he was 100, Hashem told him that his children will be in Egypt 400 years, right? It was the whole story there. We're not going to go into it. At the end, it went down to 2,210 years, but 
pay attention. Since Avram Avinu got the promise till we received the Torah, was exactly 400 years. Even though the Jewish people were supposed to be in Egypt for 400 years, right? And it go, went down to 210, still in the long count, since Avraham Hashem told them till they went out of Egypt, was still 400 years as a side point. But now we understand where the number 2448 comes from. Comes from Avraham Avinu. It was, Hashem said, I'm giving the Torah when you guys are ready. When you guys are ready to come and take it. Hashem put the Torah out there, but he didn't like, he didn't make a mass revelation a hundred years later like we wanted to, right? That was our question. Make a mass revelation and that will be doctrination. It's not us coming and earning the close, that level of doing the Torah. That's why the rest of the world did not receive the Torah because they didn't get to it. They didn't, they didn't to, ask for it. Right. And God only wanted to give the Torah in the fashion that you take it. And came Avram Avinu. And he brought back the ideology. But not only brought it back, he, so to speak, earned it. He brought himself to the level of under, getting the Torah. Ah, once he did it, and he passed it on to his family. And now we have a group of people that not only want to do they want to receive the Torah. They want to make it that they're on that level. They want to do it in the highest form. Um, the, the manual instructor of the world, not only the basic. They want to do it in the highest form possible. God was waiting for those. That is the Torah. Using the world to its best, to its max. You only can max the world through Torah. Ah, next week we're going to discuss. Oh, so now... A mass revelation had to come. Why exactly? What do we gain from a mass revelation? Why did it all change? And we're going to learn that once it's a mass revelation, that is the game changer. That really changed the whole world. Um, and not even, uh, you know, it's a big word what I'm saying, but it's, it's even more than that. It literally changed the whole entire course of history. Just like Kate Adam Arisham changed the whole course of like we said, the world, the plan of the world. Har Sinai was that second step that also changed the course of everything we understood before. The world changed completely, and we see it till today. Uh, more than that, and exactly what happened on Har Sinai. How do we know that Har Sinai happened? We will discuss on the next episode. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Israel, for this. Thank you, Rebbe. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will be back next week. So that is it for today. Hope you were able to learn something new. Hope you were able to put something in your pocket for life, as we like to say here on the Foundations Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. See you again next week.